This is the Douglas Robin Show. Hi, folks. As most of the coffee houses and bookstores aren't having uh, any readings uh, lately, I decided, you know, and everybody's got, most people are stuck at home uh, with the whole coronavirus pandemic, uh, keeping people at home and less social. Uh, I figured I would start a reading series, and it's going to be audio only, mostly because YouTube seems to be having some troubles um, uh, uploading videos. So I'm going to stick with the audio for now. But again, I decided to start a reading series uh, to keep you all company. And maybe you guys can keep me company as well. This is from my book, Leaves Piled High, uh, Unhappy Campers. I actually recently changed the ending because the ending had never sat with me well how, how it had been. Um, so I had spoken to someone recently about it and uh, just inspired me to change it. So I think it's a much better story all in all now. So um, I will uh, begin Unhappy Campers from uh, my book, Leaves Piled High. It's Labor Day weekend. My wife and I rolled into the packed campground late last night trying to hold on to our freedom a little longer. Work beckons from two days out like an annoying alarm that has no snooze. My subconscious knows it's there, waiting, no matter how many country miles roll past. Sorry, it's been a while since I've read. <laughs> we wake stretching and yawning. The sun beats down hard on our tent like a torch. We sweat in the sleeping bags, ready to swim. After a week of motorcycling through upstate New York, we arrived at the crowded State Park, not quite ready for worldly routines and to be inserted back into our roles. The trying to hold on may have been a mistake. People rustle in tents, early morning conversations break out and kids cry about brushing teeth and wiping behinds. Various dogs bark from various distances. After a restful night, the campground grows noisy. Dawn is already awake. It's so hot, babe, she says, rolling up kissing my arm, staring at me with her baby blues. Her naked arm is exposed on the upper part of her chest. Her face is fresh with mountain air. Giving me that desirous look, she says, I want you bad, but let's swim first. I like the sound of that, I say, kissing her forehead. We unzip the bags and dig into our packs. Naked, I pause, caressing her exposed flesh, running my hands along her curves the way the motorcycle caresses the countryside. Not now, she slaps my hand away. A skinny girl whines about playing a video game outside of our tent. It's a mood killer for sure. Her slender silhouette projects upon the tent wall like a movie. Shh, Dawn says to me. But I want you, I say, gritting my teeth, retracting my hand, but not before copping another soft feel and receiving a stern look and wagging finger but naked is a look I don't mind at all. I say smirking, it'll teach her a lesson if we do it. She frowns at me. Outside is a large field the size of two football fields and more packed than we realized as it runs up to the tree line in dense forest. But there's a beach and lake a few hundred feet away with dark mountain waters and surrounding hills. The music grows dark. I'm sorry, the music grows, dogs bark, and children make noise as the campground comes to life. 
an argument breaks out between a couple of few tents down about leaving food out that animals have gotten into. The day is warm and grass underfoot soft and inviting. The air is fresh, rolling down from the rocky hills with short stubby pines and foggy sweetness burning off the lake with the rising sun. Ready for a day of sitting, swimming, and well, doing little else except for my wife later on. Across the field we reach the bathrooms, which stink like a waste treatment plant without the treatment. Paper towels overflow from the lone garbage can within. The toilets aren't any better. I breathe as little as possible, taking quick, short breaths, then hold one deep down in my chest. Quickly washing up, I get outside. After my escape, I blow out to breathe once again. Phew! Dawn comes bounding out, looking back at the door. That is nasty. Lake water will cleanse it all away. She nods. Let's hope. Crossing Kent City, we see a slender man with short brown hair meditating with crossed legs and eyes closed in front of his tent and what I presume are his four children. The two oldest, no older than 12 and 14, sit with back straight, palms upright and cupped, feet together and knees folded. He says, we must find that still quiet voice deep at the base of our stomachs, just beneath the navel, breathe into this place. It is our connection to God and all truths, to mother nature and all that surrounds us. The hair on top is thinned and receded, yet he looks like an ascetic who lived in an ashram and has only recently come down from the mountaintop. Stubble grows upon his face. His younger children, maybe five and seven years old, with golden blonde hair, thicket blades of grass. Inhaling into that deep place within, I feel a sense of peace seeing this man. My gaze shifts forward as we continue. A few steps further, we hear disruptive words. Look at that dumb deer running, spoken by a dirty, blonde-haired, fat kid laughing and eating ice cream too early in the day. We glance over to the far side of the field, but don't see any deer, shrug, and move on. Standing at our nylon kingdom, we throw our morning crap inside, grab towels, zip the tent, and head toward our watery therapy. The cold mountain lake will be refreshing, even with all the kids pissing and screeching in it. We move past tents and campers, then further down past fifth wheels and televisions. Why come to the woods to watch television? I've never understood. Just get me to the beach and water. Get me to salvation. Yet a clam arises as we approach the beach. People are shouting on the other side of Tent City, drawing us in. Dawn and I look at each other, wondering what we've gotten ourselves into. The peace slowly erodes. Home would have been so much quieter. As we clear the remaining tents, a thin old man stands outside, cupping his mouth, shouting to his wife inside, Martha, come out and look. That dog is chasing a young deer. What did you say, Paul? The older woman responds. He turns fully toward her. There's a dog chasing a deer. Oh, that's nice, she says. He turns back, shaking his head, clearly frustrated with their waning mortal attributes, and seeks the deer again, covering his eyes from the sun. Don and I watch the old man following the chase along the beach and parking lot. That's when we finally see it ourselves intermittently between tents and cars further down. 
Kids run past in crazed excitement, some hustling with concern. A young black girl carrying a stuffed animal shouts, stop, you'll hurt her. More people shout as we get closer to the beach. Some stand outside of their cars, waiting in line to get into the park. A quiet day, a quiet day at the beach, huh? I say to Dawn and half smile. She grabs from my hand, fixated on the unfolding event as panic creeps onto her face. At the edge of the field near the beach and parking lot, we clear the last row of tents and see a gray dog chasing a deer past cars and campus. We look at each other and think it's cute at first, playful. The dog is just having fun, but more dogs join in the pursuit. I can't help but thinking, this is not fun for the deer. Predator and prey, the bullies and bullied. In a, <clears throat> in a panic, the deer is chased onto the beach where sunbathers, where sunbathers are getting riled up. Sand gets kicked, gets kicked upon towels as the pack tramples by. Confused, the young doe without a mother nearby to guide her is frantic, running out of land. People run after them, trying to stop the dogs. I'll stop there for today, and we'll finish up Unhappy Campers next time for the reading series of Douglas Robbins' Unhappy Campers. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to The Douglas Robbins Show. To find out more about Douglas and his books, check out douglasrobbinsauthor.com.